Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Grain Feed, brought to you by EverAg. This is your weekly news feed for all things grain and all things feed. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives from an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping dairy and livestock producers manage their risk. I'm your host, Jim Matthews, reporting from the Chicago office. Special note for today. Today's edition of the Grain Feed is an audio-only edition, so we are just podcasting here this morning. There will be no video this week. Our production wizard, Miss Paige Driscoll, is on a well-deserved vacation, so no need to look at my face. You're welcome, but you unfortunately will also miss witnessing one of Jake's many illustrious wardrobe choices. Joining me as always, is Director of Feed Procurement, Jake Kingsley, and returning to the grain feed from Indiana, Grain Market Intelligence Director, Ms. Shelby Myers. Team, how are we today? We're doing all right this morning, Jim. Hey, Jim and Jake. I'm doing good here. That's great. Did I use illustrious properly in that sentence? Jake's illustrious wardrobe choices. I believe so. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Shelby, you've had a very eventful morning. Her webinar yesterday was so popular. We had record-setting attendances yesterday in that seminar. Very well done. We had tons of great insights into the grain markets. So for those who did register, thank you. You will get a recording of doing so. Um, if you want to go back and look at some of those awesome slides and hear some of Shelby's notes. This is a crucial time of year as growers try to time out sales and feed buyers try to time out their new crop purchases. So please tune back in if you didn't get a chance to yesterday. We have a lot to run through today. So I will timestamp the broadcast. It is Thursday morning. It is 1025 Central Time here in the USA. We will look at the markets briefly before turning back to Shelby. We've got corn futures, December delivery, currently up five cents. We're trading back above that 485 threshold. So interesting little stretch here for the corn market following last Friday's WASD report. We've gone all the way down into the 470s, but now we're back up closer to 490 this morning. On the protein side, we had meal futures break out of that sideways range following the WASD report, but we're right back up to 385 on December meal futures, that stubborn little byproduct. Beans are helping lead that charge, which are now near 1340 on the November delivery. Wheat remains today's laggard, if you will, down about five cents uh, near 615 this morning. So just a quick rundown before we dish her back to Shelby. Big WASD report last week, Shelby, followed by your awesome webinar yesterday. So as we move forward into the second half of August, any little tidbits or brief summary from yesterday's show and anything we should look towards as we move forward here towards harvest? Sure. I think I'll give a quick summary of some of the things that we are thinking about and seeing in both the corn and soybean markets. You know, the webinar is an opportunity for us to provide you know, that proactive grain market education information to not only our clients and customers, but we make that available to anybody who wants it for free so that we can, you know, broadly share 
this information. I think it's a really important tool that we have. We're trying to do that quarterly, as you said, to hit some of those key seasonal moments. For the quick WASDI summary, the corn ending stocks kind of came in on this neutral to bearish sentiment. We're still seeing some high yields in the new crop and the balance sheet math ended up pushing those new crop ending stocks down 60 million bushels, but that old crop ending stocks were up 55 million bushels. So, you know, corn was kind of stuck in this paralyzed moment of trying to figure out how to deal with that report. And then on the soybean side, pretty neutral to bullish. I think yields are still a wild card there. And that's certainly something we hammered on in the webinar. Old crop soybeans were only up 5 million bushels and new crop soybean ending stocks down 55 million bushels. And so overall, you know, what we're seeing into fall harvest time, corn side yields being cut most likely in the next few monthly reports, you know, you see along the countryside, some of the weather reports that early drought from May to June and what that does to the, the corn plant's ability to to produce a solid yield, a record yield even. It's just, I, I don't see it working out. There are a lot of new varieties out there that could could shock us in the drought tolerance world. I still see yields moving lower from that 175.1 bushel per acre estimate that USDA put out. You know, something that we talked about with those that attended the webinar was that August yields are some of the worst indicators of final yield. So it's a survey only process. Farmers, especially on the corn side, tend to be more pessimistic in their, res- in their responses. But I also see that the objective yield plots around the country will verify some of that pessimism. Also on new crop corn, you know, not a record production year, but still pretty high. Export prospects, are, we expect to remain low. There's just not a lot uh, working for the U.S. export commodity world right now as far as who is looking to buy and wanting to buy, though that could change. And that's something certainly we we should talk about today and in, in some of those op, uh, opportunities that are out there. And then domestic demand on the corn side is dragging into the next year. So we expect corn price to still fall lower, uh, even though we're seeing some pop-ups right now. The balance sheet right now just doesn't speak to a very bullish sentiment. On the soybean side, you know, we still see a tighter balance sheet and and we think that's going to lead to higher prices. There's demand fundamentals that really imply increased demand year over year. Let's harp on that soybean oil market as much as we can uh, when we talk about that. You know, even today, Brazil is talking about introducing a soybean based ethanol that their cars can run on for 100%. So, you know, that can we continue to see the soybean demand side growth continue. And then on the supply side, you know, we were all obviously pretty shocked by the planted acres decrease now sitting at only 83.5 million acres. So um, supply, while not a record high, it's still not going to be low, even though we have lower planted acres. There's a lot of states with high increased year-over-year soybean production, uh, but it's probably not going to be enough to really loosen up that balance sheet. And so we expect higher prices on the soybean side. Okay. Thank you for that, Shelby. I think one of the more interesting notes is that August is one of the worst times to try and determine and measure yields. And yet, just because of how the timing has to work out, most of our private crop tours uh, that run around the country and make big headlines here the second half of August 
every year, right? They do it during this stretch. So it's it's a difficult stretch to try and come out and get into the fields and actually predict yields. They have to do it, but especially for beans as well, I think it's probably particularly difficult to really give a true measurement of what the final bean uh, yield number will be. But all eyes and ears will be on those crop tours, uh, most likely the end of next week, I think, or a couple of the larger ones. So being paying attention to that. I think some of your uh, more interesting charts, Shelby, have to do with the commodities in drought statistics and just seeing those huge differences between what the U.S. looked like second half of May into most of June versus uh, most of July and now first half of August. It's been night and day in terms of you know just how dramatically dry things were. Things aren't fantastic everywhere now, but huge improvements. But yeah, the big debate is how much has the weather of the last, let's say, six weeks helped corn yields enough to keep us above, let's say, 170 is just a round number. And there's been a lot of debate internally here at Everag amongst many of our experts in the grain markets. Will corn yields hold 170? I think uh, Jake and I have maybe discussed somewhere between 170 and 173. Don't hold us to that, but that's kind of been our discussion. But you definitely have some folks worried about lower. And as you noted, Shelby, either way, we'll probably have to take her down from the current 175.1 number. Um, so very interesting. Thank you very much for that, Shelby. Jake, let's roll her over to you. Uh, most of the WASD emphasis is, of course, on corn and soybeans. But as we feed risk management advisors, consultants, brokers, et cetera. We're also looking at what those soybean prices are helping bean meal do. And again, as we noted beginning of the show, that did break out of its range a bit as as beans broke down slightly. But beans have also recovered pretty well in the last couple sessions, uh, given the balance sheet tightness that Shelby had referenced. And now over the past two sessions, we've seen meal try to recover back into that 385 towards 390 area. So Jake, what is all of this doing to the cash side of not just our protein markets, but our overall feed markets? Yeah, I think generally speaking, we've seen basis had been drifting lower in both corn and protein there in the early part of the summer. Protein basis kind of led the way with canola then dragging soybean meal. And then as we started to catch rain and folks started to sell corn, we saw basis drift lower there as well. And now all of those have stabilized and even firmed up to some degree in a lot of the country, particularly in the West and the rail dependent markets on corn. Protein across the country, pretty well widespread, has firmed up a touch here. And I think that's just in response to getting these renewed opportunities in the futures market to come in and buy a chunk. And so you see a wave of product get sold. And then all of a sudden, these sellers have to kind of recalibrate their book and figure out, okay, how much more of this can I sell without knowing what production is actually going to be? And so you see those numbers firm up a touch. Still pretty attractive numbers. I mean, we're not talking about running 10, 15, $20 a ton higher in any of this, maybe, maybe $5 a ton in most cases. And in some of the worst ones, $10 higher than where we bottomed out 
but still some good opportunity to start getting some physical feed bought if you hadn't already, having revisited the 380 mark in December soybean meal and breaking through the 480 threshold there on December corn. I think we set new lows down there right around 475, maybe a cent or two lower than that before it kind of rebounded. Again, we're down near the lows. These are good places to step in. I, I don't like sitting around waiting for this thing to re-bottom and try to catch two, three, five dollars a ton to end up missing it for what could be thirty or forty or fifty dollars a ton if things go poorly. Some good opportunity there. I think another driver here has been this hot and dry weather we've we've had in parts of Texas and the western plains over the last month, month and a half. Um, a lot of these folks caught rains early on and were in better shape than some of the corn belt, particularly the Eastern corn belt. And that gave us a little bit of hope that we would have better yields than last year and allowed some of those early basis moves lower. Um, now with this hot, dry weather, I think that's added a little bit of firmness here as well, likely taking the top end off of yields. We're even starting to get to a point to where now it's time to step into some of these other byproducts. We'd been preaching a little bit of patience, like in cotton seed, see if we could get a little better value as we get closer to harvest, but feels like that crop is burning up at a rather rapid pace. And we had fewer acres than we would like to have seen in the Southeast. So that's going to become supportive of those products. Distillers and, and gluten and, and soy holes all are related to the price of corn and soybeans. And so they've got a little bit of risk premium in them. I think they've certainly come down as futures have come down and maybe you can step in and get a little. I still don't feel like you have to jump in and get super aggressive purchasing those here today, uh, but we do have to be prepared for the potential for those prices to kind of hold where they are or get stronger if we do see further yield declines and then these processors have to get aggressive in purchasing the raw inputs to get those byproducts out. A lot of moving pieces here these last couple of weeks. I think, again, the gift has been this break in futures. So take advantage of that, manage it in some form while we're here. Yeah, Jake, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from our side, right? The feed management side is, as Shelby noted on corn, we could still continue to make new lows and find some lower prices as we push through harvest and combines are rolling here a bit uh, because of the looser balance sheet. But since we are at levels that we have not seen for December corn futures in a very long time, we have to feel pretty happy about stepping in now and doing something. Whether you want to keep that downside open for potential lower prices as we go forward, please do that. But if you were to be wide open on purchasing corn for feed, we would want something to be done around these lows. And unfortunately for protein, it feels like it's a, just a lot more stubborn on those lows that it wants to ultimately establish. So same drill. We've seen lower prices on this contract. Unlike corn, we have seen lower prices for December meal futures. But are we going to see much lower prices as we push forward? Perhaps no. And as Shelby noted, that tighter balance sheet for beans leading to potentially higher bean prices is going to help elevate its byproducts a bit here as we move forward. I don't have any trivia today. I would just like to do bold predictions for the two of you. We're going to keep it real simple. Bold predictions. We're borrowing from Phil and Kathleen. Bold predictions on the final print for corn yield 
not what is going to be in the September WASDE report, but final print U.S. corn yield. Shelby. 168.3. I was going to go 168 and a half. Oh, my God. Fantastic. I've been been preaching that number. I'm going to stick with it. Look at you. 168.3. This will be the final print for corn yield for this crop. Jake. Final print, bold prediction. I thought I was going to be pretty close to that number. Shelby just kicked out, but I guess I'll come in at 169 and a half. Just a hair higher. Look at you. You guys are animals. Absolute animals. I'm going to go with 170.1. 170.1. I want to hug that 170 number. I don't want to let go. 170.1. How about soybean yields? Final print, (laughs) Shelby. Final print for soybean yields. Okay, so I even said this in the webinar yesterday. I have 48 and a half right now. And I think I'm going to stick with it. And a lot of that that is um, those rains have come nicely, but then they came in a lot too. So... Did we, did we just now get too much rain? And I'm going to hold my 48 and a half and leave it there. Okay. I respect it. Jake, bold prediction. Final print, soybean yield. Soybeans, I think maybe they come in more like a 50.2. 50.2. Only a slight reduction from where things stand based on the August WASD. Okay. I'm going with 49.9. We're just going right under that 50. Just sliding under, just just a hair. Pretty tight. Right under 50. That's tight. That's tight. We're all in some agreement here that ultimately, maybe not in September's report, ultimately the government should or will have to reduce bean yields slightly. And then we would assume all else unchanged, continue to tighten that balance sheet a little bit. But for corn, you guys are going... A bit tighter than where things stand right now. That's a big drop from the current 175.1. But again, looser balance sheet, a little bit more to work with on the corn front in terms of worrying about that extreme tightness on beans. So very nice, bold predictions. Well done, everyone. Great to have you both with us today on this podcast version of the Grain Feed. A huge thanks to Shelby for returning to the show. Great to have your insights today. We'd also like to thank Corey and the Everag Insights crew for their support. Thank you to Tara and Jeff for their production magic. And thank you to the viewers for listening to the Grain Feed. I would say contact information is on the screen, but it's not. It's hopefully in your podcast notes. We greatly appreciate your feed back. That's all for today. We'll see and hear you next time on The Grain Feed. At EverAg, we partner with every corner of the agriculture industry, from dairy to livestock, crops, and agribusiness, to deliver intelligent supply chain and risk management solutions. We are EverAg, everything agriculture. Learn more at www.ever.ag everything.